love your neighbor as yourself. Well, that's easy, especially when we think of our neighbors as our friends and family. But what do we do with those people that we really don't know anything about? The Human Family Podcast hosts conversations with guests from local religious and cultural communities to explore a more complex narrative of who our neighbors are in the greater Santa Barbara area. Welcome to the Human Family Podcast. My name is Kenny Chisholm, and I'm your host. This week, I'm joined by co-host Alaa Khan, and we're bringing you a conversation with Father Pedro Lopez, the pastor of Our Lady of Guadalupe Catholic Parish. You'll hear about his relationship to the ocean and how the Catholic Church has interplayed with indigenous peoples of North America over the last 500 years. We'll also hear about Father Pedro's passion for the sacrament of the Eucharist and how he has been shaped through beloved relationships over the course of his time as a priest. Ala and I really loved talking with Father Pedro, and we're sure that his kindness and his insights will make you feel right at home. You're currently listening to the edited version of our conversation. If you want to hear the full conversation, which includes Father Pedro's journey into the priesthood, difficulties faced in that role and the power of communal reconciliation, and a plug for Our Lady of Guadalupe's famous tamales during Santa Barbara's fiesta celebration, check out our extended version in the same place you found this one. I'm glad to be here today with my co-host, Ala Khan, and Father Pedro Lopez, who is the priest at Our Lady of Guadalupe Parish, our local Catholic church that's just a block off Milpas Street on Nopal and Montecito. First, I want to acknowledge the history of the land that we call Santa Barbara, which has been stewarded by the Chumash people for thousands of years before it was forcefully taken by European settlers in 1782. We humbly seek to be in conversation with the Chumash today as they continue to lead by an example of deep spirituality and community. Father Pedro, can you share your preferred pronouns, how long you've lived in Santa Barbara, and what's something you love specifically about calling Santa Barbara home? I'm Father Pedro Lopez. I am a Roman Catholic priest. I'm pastor of Our Lady of Guadalupe Church here in Santa Barbara. It's a bilingual, bicultural community, Spanish and English speaking. The Spanish speaking are primarily from Mexico. There are a few other nationalities represented, but mostly Mexican-American or Mexican immigrants who have settled here. I am originally from Ventura, so I'm not unfamiliar with Santa Barbara, but way before I was uh, stationed here as pastor, I was very familiar with the city and with the county. It's a favorite place of mine that when not in Ventura, I would love to come up here and spend some time, visit friends, enjoy all that Santa Barbara has to offer. And those of you that are familiar with Santa Barbara know that there's quite a bit to enjoy here. What, Is there what, something... what are some of those things? Yeah. Go ahead, <laughs> oh, well, okay. I enjoy the ocean. I'm an avid fisherman. I also enjoy the beach. Uh, I love to uh, just hang out at the beach, fish from shore also. I enjoy the mountains and the trails, hiking, camping, all of that kind of stuff. And I also enjoy the events that Santa Barbara hosts at various times of the year. The fiestas, uh, most obviously, that's the biggest event of the, of the whole year. But there's also the film festivals and other things like that. Also in the parishes and the churches, there are great celebrations. One of them, the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe, which is very much a, a big item here every year, uh, being that she is the patroness of this parish. Mm-hmm. So those are the, the main things that I would would have enjoyed throughout my life, not just only the time that I've been here as pastor. Awesome. 
You mentioned the Lady of Guadalupe, and that is, from my understanding, a story that not necessarily all Roman Catholics would know much about. And I'm interested to hear, just seeing as the Catholic Church has looked like so many things over the last 2,000 years, as it's been picked up and embraced by many different cultures. And I'm really interested in how the Latin American Catholic Church has really come to to appreciate the divine mother in a sense and mary i'm not sure how how you would describe that but yeah that there's a, the figure of our, our lady of guadalupe that's really central and i would love to hear a bit more about that okay just to start with the term that you just used the divine mother we don't mm. believe in that that's not a part mm. of our religion or even of our understanding of who our lady of guadalupe is rather it hinges on our belief as Christians in the role of Jesus Christ, in being the Savior of the world, and being the Son of God, and that Mary is the human mother mm. of the Christ, the human mother of God's Son. Throughout the history of Christianity, there have been various ways of referring to her, all of them struggling with this mystery of how God and human can be joined together as one, and yet retain both their natures. And that's a really amazing part of this mystery of salvation, that God so loved the world, as you hear in John's Gospel, that he sent his Son. Well, in sending his Son and in becoming human, it's so that all of humanity can be joined to God, so that all of humanity is saved by what God is doing through his Son. Hmm. Mary is the one who accepts the invitation to make that happen in accepting to be the mother of Jesus mm -hmm. and in giving birth to the Son of God, in being a mother to his Son, that she embraces all of us in her love as a mother. And that is what is being celebrated in a very special way in the story of Guadalupe, in the understanding of the story of salvation through the Jewish people, it was something that they longed and hoped for for themselves because of their struggles with their covenant relationship with God. But in the coming of Jesus, as we Christians understand it, the saving event is not just for one people, but for all peoples. Hmm. And that that love embraces all of us as God's children, as God's sons and daughters, as we are joined to his son, Jesus Christ. So that in the story of Guadalupe, where you have the European peoples coming into these new lands that they have recently discovered, they bring with them their faith, their religion, but in a way that does not communicate the message of God's love. They mm. try to impose their belief. They try to make others to be like them and to believe what they believe, but it ends up being a hurtful process rather than one that embraces in love. Mm -hmm. In the first 10 years of their effort to evangelize the peoples of the Americas, it was a miserable failure. There were very few converts. In the first 10 years after the apparitions of Our Lady of Guadalupe, 
millions had converted to the faith because they saw in her that message of love. They saw in her that they were included in what God had done in sending his son. The story of Guadalupe happens 10 years after the fall of Mexico to Hernán Cortés. So in 1531, to an indigenous, an indigenous man, Juan Diego, who is on his way to church to celebrate uh, the Eucharist with the community of believers, she appears to him as he is on his way there and commissions him to take a message to the bishop, the leader of that Christian community, and requests that a church be built on the site where she had appeared so that all people could come and enjoy and celebrate that gift of love that God had given to the world in sending his son. An interesting detail to the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe is that she appears as a woman who is pregnant, so that in coming to this place, in coming to these peoples, she is bringing her son with her. And that that mission that is given to him is expressed in a way that shows that they are included in what God is doing. And so this is a, a very powerful sign to the indigenous peoples, and they immediately take hold of it. And so that's what I was saying in the first 10 years, millions of converts came into the Christian Catholic faith because of that which was manifested in the person of Mary, whom is referred to as Guadalupe, which is a Hispanicization of the name that she gave when speaking to Juan Diego. It was a name that was difficult to pronounce, but it was uh, Hispanicized. The, there, there was already a Virgen de Guadalupe in Spain, and it sounded like that, and so that's how she came to be called Guadalupe. The, the, the indigenous name in Nahuatl, was uh, a lot different sounding, but it was as close as the uh, Spaniards could get to what it sounded like to them. So, so that's interesting. But the main point of, of this story is of how so many people are embraced in that love that God has for all people, and that they came to understand that in a way that they could not have been included in the efforts that the Spaniards were making because of their other actions that had brought so much suffering and pain. Mm. And so it, it's a moment in the history of the church and of Central and Latin America that raises the dignity of everyone. So that it's not about us and them, it's not conqueror and conquered, but it's about children of God, God's people, which means everybody. And so it's a beautiful story. And Juan Diego, he was he was not a, a priest. He was a, a layperson. Is that right? That is correct. Hmm. That's really beautiful. That the way that the message of the gospel was carried out by the Spanish was not understood and accepted, and was actually quite violent for the indigenous people. But that God made a way for His love to be known through the vessel of an indigenous person. Yeah. And that Mary appears as a mestizo woman, that if you look at the image, mm. she is neither Spanish nor indigenous. 
but a mix of the two, a blending of the races. Hmm. So it's a coming together, it's a uniting, it's a communion of the peoples and of God with his people. Hmm. That's beautiful. It is. It's, it's an amazing message and how God was able to do this through the person of Mary. And that that's the way that it's been since the telling of the story in the Gospels of who she is. That it's through her that people are brought to Christ and listen to him and allow his message to take root in their hearts. I get the sense that you really enjoy your position in the community. And I'm interested to hear maybe one or two things that you particularly love about being a priest, whether it be some kind of daily practice or a, a regular way that you interact with the community, an event? Well, for me, every day, what I look forward to and really enjoy for myself and in my ministry to the community, to the church, is the celebration of the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. It's there that I am priest for everyone and that I am also taken up into the presence of God in communion with Jesus Christ and can celebrate what God has done to transform our lives, to bless us with his love. And so whether it's early in the morning or in the later afternoon or whatever time of day it is, that's the highlight of the day. And to see the people come together and to get to know these people by name, to know their stories, to include them in the intentions of the Mass. What are we praying for? What do we ask God to do for us? These are the people that are coming to God and asking his help, his blessing, and that I am there to bring that about in what I am given to do as priest for them. So that, that, that's the highlight of my day. I mentioned in knowing the stories of these people. That's one of the things that I'm very privileged to be able to be a part of is to enter into their stories in, in the moments of celebration of life, in the moments of their struggles, visiting them when they are sick, counseling them as they struggle with the difficulties of their lives, being there to listen to them as they come to ask God's forgiveness when I'm hearing confessions, and to share with them that, that mercy, that love of Christ as I give them absolution. It's Christ who is forgiving, but he's using me as that instrument to help them experience that, to help them know that it's real, and that they are embraced by him in this moment of grace. So the celebration of that love in whatever way is possible to celebrate it, whether it's in the sacraments or in personal ministry, is, is a, something that I look forward to and I enjoy very much. At times it's challenging because you have to really listen to the hearts of the people. Sometimes their words can be very angry because of the hurt or the resentment. Sometimes they are full of despair because they don't know what else to do. And you make suggestions or offer possible solutions. Oh, no, I, I did that, Father. I've done that. I've been there. Okay, now what? <laughs> and inviting them to pray that if I have not been able to offer a solution or a way through whatever is happening, that perhaps in our praying together, God will provide the solution. God will be the answer in some way to that struggle, to that concern. So being that person that can mediate that, that can be there for them, 
to make that connection. That's something very, very amazing and something that I very much celebrate personally, that what a blessing it is to me. I appreciate how much room there is for the fullness of the human experience in the way that you speak about your relationship with your parishioners. And a lot of times it seems like the general concept of religion gets a kind of a bad rap as being something that's just very unfeeling, it's unemotional, it's just kind of something you do. But obviously behind a lot of the rituals that are very dear to us, there's such a range of emotions. And we can see that all throughout the Bible, even as we look at, you know, particularly the Psalms and see the psalmist in in anger as well as in great joy. And I just really appreciate how I imagine you've grown in over the course of your of your ministry, but just being ready to receive anyone, no matter where they're at, because that is the posture of, of God. Yeah, you mentioned the Psalms, and both for the Jewish people and for Christians, the Psalms are at the heart of our prayer. It was the public prayer, it was the liturgical prayer of the Jewish community, and it became the liturgical prayer of the Christian community as well through the monks. It was the monks who took that on in order to fill their day and dedicate the day to the Lord, that they would recite the Psalter, the 150 Psalms, spread out through a week. And so that whatever the day held, that that day be enlightened in the power of God's love, in, in the faith placed in that God, that all of the different things that we experience and that fill our days are touched by that, by that God and by his love. And so the Psalms are, are a very powerful part of, of prayer for both the Christian community and the Jewish community, and that we can express ourselves freely to our God as you said, that all of the emotions are found there. Anger and frustration and hopelessness and sadness, as well as the joy and the excitement and the gladness for the good things that uh, happen in, in our lives. So all of that is found there. It's, it's, it's a really wonderful thing. And that true religion has to include all of that. And so going back to some of the remarks that I made earlier on about the mystery of the incarnation of God becoming human and bringing together those two natures, that God embraces the whole of our humanity. So all that we are, and if it doesn't include all of our emotions, then it, that wouldn't be true. But because it is true, then it reaches into the depths of our being, all that we are, everything that happens to us. And that's the great joy of what God did in sending his son to be our savior. I love that you keep bringing up the importance of stories and the importance of human connection and the way that stories connect us. I myself am actually a filmmaker and community organizer. Uh, and, I actually, and I've been doing, um, over the last couple of years, a lot of work on the U.S.-Mexico border, telling the stories of asylum seekers and families that have been separated. And a lot of my work is specifically bilingual. And I was wondering, with English and Spanish, and I was wondering how it is that it is, like, your ministry is unique in that it serves a bilingual community and a community that is heavily either immigrant or children of immigrants, and how that influences the community. Well, I wouldn't call it unique, especially not in Southern California. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe not unique in Southern California, but maybe unique compared to some of the other white 
churches in Santa Barbara? Coming from immigrants, my brothers and I are first-generation American citizens. My parents came from Mexico, and we were brought up in their culture. Our first language was Spanish. I didn't learn English until I was getting ready to go to kindergarten so that I could communicate with my classmates in kindergarten. And so I had a crash course. My half-brother and a couple of neighbors kind of helped me through that. And I was very appreciative uh, to them for that. But we never lost our connection to our Mexican heritage, to our Mexican culture. And I remember some of my classmates kiddingly saying, hey, super Mex, <laughs> because I was so proud of my heritage, of my culture. And uh, a number of others had lost a lot of what that was in their lives because of the social pressures in which we grew up, that many people were not allowed to speak Spanish either in their homes or at school uh, or at work. They had to learn English. And because of that, lost the connection with their roots. But uh, my parents were very insistent that we always hold on to that. And they did all that they could to help us to develop that. Uh, one of the things that I'm most grateful to my mom for is that she took a lot of time to help me to learn to read Spanish as a child. And because of that, by the time I got into high school and college, I was reading Spanish literature, not just English works of literature, but the works of Spanish authors in Spanish. And that made a big difference in my sense of self, in my sense of worth, and in the importance of the culture and of the heritage of Spanish-speaking peoples. And so that I try to share that with others and to help them to appreciate that as best they can in what they bring to our society, in what they bring to our country, that they should not feel less than because they are immigrants, that they have a lot to bring and that they are enriching to our country in who they are and what they bring to us. And that, that's very important because if you don't see yourself in that way, if you see yourself as an intruder, as someone who is imposing themselves on others, then you're always going to feel small. You're going to feel weak. And it shouldn't be that way because, again, there's so much that the Spanish culture brings to the world. And by Spanish culture, and it's not... Um, just one culture, it's the many diversities of cultures and of nations and of peoples. E even within Mexico, every state, every region has something that is different and, and special and particular. And to even group Mexican people as being mo monocultural, no, there's a diversity of cultures even there. You, There was mention made earlier of the indigenous peoples. Well, there are indigenous peoples in Mexico as well. And so what they bring to us and their history and their heritage, when we were speaking of Our Lady of Guadalupe, she didn't appear to a Spaniard. She appeared to an Aztec Indian, an indigenous man who had converted to Christianity. And it was an image that they could relate to and identify with that brought them into 
faith as Christians. And so, again, just looking at that, how God uses that, okay? So why would we look down on it or poo-poo it or it's not important? Oh, to the contrary. Culture is so important and that we enrich one another with what we bring, with what we share with each other, with one another. So, yeah, that's, that's very important. And having grown up here in the, in the United States and Southern California, I'm influenced by the culture of this area, of being a Southern Californian, all that that is about. I mean, I mentioned loving to go to the beach and stuff, okay? I'm not a surfer dude, but certainly I, am, I appreciate the waves and the ocean and all of that. And as I was growing up, surfer music was the Beach Boys and <laughs> all that kind of stuff. That was very much a part of Southern California. And it had its influence on me and on my brothers and on others. And now as I look at, I was recently looking on some images of some of the merchants here in uh, California, in, in Santa Barbara rather, and uh, this one guy who has a surf shop, he's Hispanic. That's not your traditional surfer dude, blonde hair, blue eyes. No, this is a Hispanic who has his surf shop. And so there's a cross-cultural influence there and of how we come together and can enjoy one another in the best ways, rather than finding ourselves as being opponents or being contrary or despising someone because of their differences. You know, we, we can be a blessing to one another. I keep smiling and nodding at you because everything you're saying is resonating so deeply. Everything you're saying about the danger of seeing people as monolithic and the importance of understanding the diversity and the culture and like the beauty in that culture that everyone brings is precisely why conversations just like this and storytelling are so important. It actually reminds me of one of my favorite verses from the Quran, which is definitely, I think, my life's mission statement too, which is we have made you into nations and tribes to know one another, that God created us in our diversity for a reason and that we nurture our own spirituality and our own relationship with God, but also benefit each other by learning about each other. And I think growing up, I'm also a first-generation American child of Arab immigrants, but so much of my personality and the way I was raised is very heavily influenced by the community that I was raised in, which is Santa Barbara. And the Mexican and Latino community has been like a huge asset in just the way I have been raised and cultured. And I'm very grateful to have been raised around such a beautiful culture. Yeah. So thank you for having this conversation with us. Well, it's great to have this conversation with you as well. Yeah. Yeah. So much of, of what we've covered here is, is so much of what the Human Family Podcast and the Human Family Project at large is all about is, is coming to understand and appreciate difference and to not be so put off by by people whose cultures we don't understand because sometimes it all all it really takes is just having a conversation and realizing we we probably have a lot of similarities and and we all we might like to go to go to a surf shop or go to the beach there are a lot of things that that really do bind us together and that is the beauty of the human family that we are trying to to illuminate with this project so it's apparent that that's something that's important to you and it's so wonderful um to be able to talk with you and I intend to continue to follow your own community. I've had the pleasure of watching some of your services, and that's been a real blessing to me. That's great. 
And so continue the good work. These podcasts are a, a very good way to help people during this time when many find themselves isolated and disconnected, but there are ways to make those connections and to help one another. And this is very enriching. This is very good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today for our conversation with Father Pedro Lopez. It was fascinating to hear how Father Pedro becomes part of his parishioner's stories as he pastors them through the highs and lows of life. It was also nice to hear the voice of a Latino community leader, since that is such a large percentage of the Santa Barbara community. Next episode, you'll be hearing a conversation with long-term Santa Barbara resident, Rafaq Turjaman, who is a board member and trustee of the Islamic Society of Santa Barbara and my wonderful mother. Please subscribe to our podcast and follow us to keep up to date with our latest episode releases. And as always, feel free to reach out to us at thehumanfamilypodcast at gmail.com. 